Heavenly Father, we thank you as we embark into your word this morning. Lord, it's a different kind of a day today. They'll understand as we get going why it's different, but it's a good different. And it's what you authored. It's what you inspired. It's what you spoke to me to do. And so, Father, I obey to do it, although I don't always do it this way. But, Lord, I know that you know best, so I thank you that it's going to be a great help to them. Father, you've said to me four different sermons and given me four titles. And you said you start it uh, today on the 19th. And Lord, next Sunday will be part two. On our anniversary will be part three. And October the 10th, our Thanksgiving uh, weekend will be part four. Lord, you've been very specific. And I know these, these sermons are because every October, Father, you know we, even though we're still in this calendar year, the pattern you've used with us is that you'll start to uh, speak and, and, and th talk about things for the next year in that last quarter of the previous year. And Lord, I know that there's things that need to be said, things that need to be prayed, the congregation to come to another level. And things that need to be spoken, not just in the natural realm, into their ears, but into their hearts and into the realm of the Spirit. And we are starting that today. So, Lord, I cannot, uh, I, cannot, uh, I cannot say strongly enough how important these next four Sundays are, whether they can be here in person or not. I pray, Father, that they would sense, according to Phili the, the Pauline prayers in Philippians chapter 2, let them sense what is vital. Let them sense what is vital. What the Spirit of God is saying is vital. And Lord, most of the time, every, everything that we preach is important because it's always important because it's the Word. But Father, these four Sundays are especially important because you've put a highlight and a spotlight on them. So I thank you for promise of life that Lord, whether they're at home or whether they're here, that they watch and they stay connected and they listen to what the Spirit of God would say to them because they're part of this local church. And we start with it today. Open up our hearts now to receive your word. Lord, we sit on the edge of our proverbial seat. Father, we are here to receive. We're not here to get distracted and think about this afternoon or tomorrow or something bad that happened or something good that happened. We're here to, to quieten our minds and to garner our attention and to bring our minds into subjection and to listen and open up our hearts to receive the incorruptible seed of the word of God, that it would go in to good soil, that it would not be on hard soil because we're, because we're hard-hearted. It would not just be on rocky soil because we're easily offended. It would not be on, on thorny soil because, Father, we're distracted with the cares of life or worries or the lusts of other things or the deceitfulness of riches, but it would go into good soil, that it would produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. Open up their hearts now, Father. Let them be guardians over their own hearts, that they would receive with joyfulness today the word that is brought forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Today's message I've entitled, We Fight for the Plan. Now for the next force, I'm telling you, I had an experience with God when I was in California for pastor's birthday. I'm telling you, it's amazing. When I get around her, God talks to me differently than any other time in my life. It's just different. I can't explain it. It's just different. And so I always expect him to talk, but I didn't expect him to say as much as he did because it wasn't even like a preaching time. It was, you know, she, you know, Brother Richard preached Sunday morning, but it wasn't really a conference or something, but just being around that anointing. God, God will always get things over to you when you're in the right place under those that you're supposed to be submitted to. And he said to me, he gave me four titles and every one of them had the word plan in it. But he said, now you're going to, I want you to talk about fighting for the plan. And the next Sunday is something else for the plan. And then something else for the plan. And then something else for the plan. And so I'm calling it part one, even though the words will, will change with each part. And, and it's going to build upon each other. So I highly encourage you to, if you can't come, watch. Don't miss it. Please don't miss it. Because the Spirit of God is talking. If you're part of this church, God's talking to you. Amen. And every one of you are precious and important. Every one of you are precious and important. We can't do this alone. He said, you're a living stone. He calls you a stone, something strong, something hard. Not in a bad way, but something with fortitude. Not, not, not just going to quit just at the moment a little bit of rain falls, the, rock doesn't, the house doesn't fall down with a little rain. A little bit of wind comes, the house doesn't fall down. It's, you're built on the rock, but you're a living stone. And you notice what, there's got to be a lot of stones to make a wall. And when somebody's not right or, or gets disconnected or whatever, that stone, there's a big gaping hole. And anybody that looks at that wall goes, something's wrong. Because they didn't notice everybody else that was there, but they noticed the one that wasn't there. The one that wasn't, the one that left their, their first place, their, their place with God, their place with the vision. I don't want gaping holes because God has to down replace that hole with a new living stone. And that'll always happen because all of us, including me, are replaceable. Let's make sure we stay humble. God doesn't need us as much as we think he does. He does, but he'll find somebody if we don't listen. 
but it takes time to fill that hole. Yes. And in that, and, and while he's doing that, it, it, it affects the, the strength of the structure. It, it, the supply is less. Everything gets affected if holes are there and it takes time for God to fill them. And some, some churches, as soon as he's filled the hole, another, another hole's made because another person gets offended and leaves. What we're doing is we're maintaining our place, our fit in the wall as a living stone. And the way to do that is going to take a little bit of fight. I can look through the congregation and I can point, I won't, but I can point out names. You, 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 oh, a lot of people that at times over the years, there's been something that has come. The devil authored it. Sometimes their flesh was involved as well. Sometimes not. But, the, but there was something to try to get them to separate from that wall. I, I know Reverend Greg. I know Reverend Taylor. I know, I know, I know I could look at this so many. Amen. I'm the chief <laughs> one that he tries to separate from that. Yeah, amen. Do you understand? Yeah. But, but he can't win if we'll just stay in the spirit and renew our mind and just make decisions. I just, he can't overcome your will. He can't overcome your will. Even Clarita in Bilibid Prison in Manila, Philippines, who was, who was totally possessed with those two evil spirits that would bite her. You heard Dr. Sumrall teach about it. And, 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 and he had, Dad Hagen asked Dr. Sumrall privately, uh, you know, did, did she ever resist those spirits? And he said yes, because he had interviewed her afterward when she was in her right mind. And he would say, did you ever resist any, at any time? And she said, well, one of them would want me to do things, sexual things, and she said, I said, no. And even though she was possessed by them and completely taken over by them, her will to say, no. She said, they left me alone on that issue. And Dad Hagen taught that in his demonology class that no matter how, f you always have a will and you can always resist. And even the Gadarene man came by his will, not the demons. The demons weren't worshiping. He was worshiping, then the demons spoke. But he came to kneel. That was his will coming to kneel before Jesus. No matter how far somebody's gone, a will can overcome the devil. And so what I'm saying is, uh, no matter how much banging there is on the mind, you can always choose. Don't blame the devil. You can always choose. And God's trying to get people to fight for the plan because there is a fight needed because what we're talking is not small. What we're talking is not, it's not light. We're talking about a revival. We're talking about the glory center. We're talking about revival in other lands. There is an enemy that hates it and wants to work against it. So we're talking about fighting for that plan. That's how he said it to me. Tell him to fight for the plan, son. So I said, okay. So I'm trying to come up with a sermon. Fight, fight, fight. Though we get Jenny with the pom-poms, you know? And I'm sitting in the Thursday night service in Fredonia three weeks ago or so with Pastor Nancy. And she started, she's preaching on something, on authority. It wasn't even on that subject. But she started getting into some other flows there. And as she was preaching, I heard the Holy Ghost say, And she will preach it for you. What? It's my church, Lord. I'm the pastor. I heard him say, She'll preach it for you. So what I've done is I've, I've got uh, three clips. Now, this, I've never done this before like this on a Sunday morning. But he said, I want you to do it this way this time. So I'm just going to yield to him. Because I, I can preach, but he, he, there's something, there's an anointing on her to talk about this that I cannot reproduce the same way as if she were to say it. So what she's going to do, not that she's not good enough. But because I'm the pastor, I'm going to let her do the main event a little bit. Then I'm going to cut her off. And I'm going to make some comments. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going to put her back up. And then I'm going to make some comments. We're going to do that three times. And then we're going to go home. So would you listen? And I want you to listen to what she's saying. I want you to listen to what she's saying. Because there's three distinct areas that I'm going to play for you. And they're all kind of on the same theme. But they all are distinct. So pay attention. Would you play that first clip of Pastor Nancy Thursday night in Fredonia in August, please? Several months ago... I had a quick mini vision and in this mini vision was a demon probably around a man's size. He was not overly unusually large but about a man's size and I, it's hard to express the rage on his face. I mean his eyes were bulging and I mean the the, the teeth were bared and he was just in a violent rage in this direction toward me. 
but on either side was an angel had him right here on either side and all he could do was be toward me he couldn't get near me and there was an angel on either side holding him back and I knew God's restraining power we have no idea what has what assignments have been launched and that's why Jesus needs us to use our authority because in restraining, he's going to involve our authority. Our authority exercise gives, gives heaven permission to get involved. And I'm so glad he doesn't reveal everything. That he, we just feel impressed to say, you t- Satan, you take your hands off that or you take your hands off that. And we don't even know, maybe know the whole scope because he doesn't need us to know the whole scope. He just needs us using our authority. Yes, amen. That's right. amen. That's right. And so I got to thinking, what, what is it that was done? Was there some particular action that caused those angels to come and deal with that? And God impressed upon me just the other day that in, I think it was 2016. Now my husband went home to be with the Lord in 2013. Brother Copeland came to our church for the first time in these last years in 2014 and he's come every year since in January. But in 2016, he was in the back green room, our hospitality room, and I don't know if it was after a service or before a service, and he went one by one to each family member. And he laid hands on us and he said different things to different ones. And I was reminded the other day when he got to me, he said, no, you don't, Satan. No, you don't. And God said, that's when those angels were dispatched to deal with that. An anointing greater than your own protected you. Because it went into operation. He used his authority on your behalf. That's why it matters who you're hooked up to. Because it's not just your authority that God made available to your life. It's the authority of the ones he set you with. And Paul prayed that others would use their authority in prayer all the time on his behalf. He was utilizing not just their prayers, but their authority in prayer. Amen. Amen. That's why it matters that you go to the church where God tells you to go because not every preacher will have the same authority if they don't have this, if they're not assigned to your life. They won't have the same authority over your life if they're not assigned to your life. God sets us in the body as it pleases him. And if we are not pleased to be where he set us, This is what happened with the Israelites. They weren't pleased to be in the way he sent them on. And that which was being restrained from them could not keep being restrained. So it does matter that we know where God put us and we fight to stay there because we need, instead of fighting to get out of it, fight to stay there. What do you mean fight? Fight circumstances that try to push you out. Fight opinions and fight feelings of your, your hurt feelings or, well, you know, I don't like what they did with my family. My first obligation is to the plan of God. My first obligation is not to get a higher income. I will not pick up and leave the church God put me in so I can move to a different location that offers me a hiring. Fight for the plan. Fight for the plan. Why? Because someone has an authority that you're going to need for things to be restrained that your, your level of anointing would have done deal with, but their level will. You have to have a voice into your life. And that voice is a voice of protection. 
that voice is a voice of restraint. It'll restrain things when that, when that is needed. I had no idea what Brother Copeland saw. And you know something? He didn't tell me and I didn't ask. Yeah. If I needed to know, he would have told me. God would have told him to tell me. And I don't, I don't ask. You want to know why? I'm not getting the mental arena and go there. I trust my father. And, and it's a bad habit to ask too many mental questions. I never asked. Right connections will carry restraint with them. They carry authority with them. Those that God hooks us up with, he hooks us up with a greater anointing, not a lesser anointing in the sense of someone speaking into your life. Why? Because your life is going to need something greater than your own level of, of, of anointing, the, your own light of authority. So there's a greater... Uh, there's a greater degree of anointing available to us through who God hooks us up with. So pay attention to who God uses to rescue you. Pay attention. Who is that person? Who is that person? When my husband, the day my husband went home to be with the Lord, I got many, many phone calls. So precious. People supporting People letting us know it mattered to them and that we matter to them. And uh, they all said, we're standing with you. We're believing with you, you know. Praise God. That's what your company's for. But then Brother Copeland called and he started binding. And I mean, when he bound, the phone rattled. I mean, and you rattled holding the phone because his level of revelation, his degree of anointing came into play into that situation. And he began to prophesy to me on that phone. So it wasn't real hard after I'd talked to everyone who had words that rescued Thank God for words of encouragement and comfort. You need those. I don't diminish that. But there was a rescue connected to his words. And so I said, God, because I, I mean, I've been under a flow of being connected to someone my whole, whole time as a Christian. And so now that my husband is gone, Where's that person? Who is that person? I didn't have to go very far because I went, who, re- who did God use to rescue me? Yes. Who did he use to still speak about my future? Yes, 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 yes. Only one. Yes. Yeah. Only one. Yeah. Why? Easy to locate the one. Yeah. Not that the other words didn't matter, but this man's words went further. Yes, yes. So somebody who might not like certain ministers, that means nothing to me. Yeah, yeah. Because I know the voice that God used to show, to show the future of the plan. Now, my job is to not let something else compromise that, the role of that voice in my life. Because what if I would have decided, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. In 2016... About a year and a half later, what would have happened when that demon had a plan? But I had someone with a greater anointing that had a welcome road and and welcome voice into my life. And it wasn't just my authority. It was a higher authority. Came into play. Praise the Lord. God doesn't just use random people in your life. Pay attention to who he uses. I've had different dreams. I've had different mini visions at times. And I've seen different people. I've had dreams of Amy Simple McPherson. I've had them of Catherine Kuhlman. I've had them of, uh, God spoken to me about Smith Wigglesworth, about George Mueller, 
about Dad Hagen, about Dr. Sumrall. So you know who I feed on? Guess who? I don't have to go to the bookstore and randomly say, what? I, I use who God, I feed on who God uses. If God points them out in a particular spectacular way, get the clue. If you go to a church and, my goodness, it's inconvenient, the drive is too long, but every time I get in that church, God talks to me. Get the clue. Well, God didn't tell me to go to that church. Where does God talk to you? Get the clue. When you, because I, I've seen people, preachers on TV or online, precious ministers, yes. wonderful revelation, but God doesn't particularly say something to me yes. when they're yes. preaching. Right. The Amen. word blesses you. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But I'm talking about nothing stands up yes. on the inside of me, yeah. except with those that I'm divinely connected with. Things stand up. It pops like popcorn. Wow. Pay attention yeah. to that. Why? Because not only do they have an anointing for your life, they have an authority for your life that will be a blessing. They might not even re- recognize it. That, it doesn't matter. Praise the Lord. You're going to need the grace on someone else's life. God said to me, he said, Brother Copeland walks in graces that you're going to need if you're going to fulfill what you're born for. If you're going to finish your race, you're going to need to partake of those graces. I'm not up here saying, you need to follow Brother Copeland, you need to follow Brother Copeland. I'm saying you need to know who who God's connected you with. I'm not endorsing a man, I'm endorsing a connection. A divine assignment. Hallelujah. Why wouldn't he let me preach it? I don't know. He said her. He said, have her preach it this morning for you. Because there's a higher anointing on her. And I think he wants to kick off these four services with that higher anointing. And then yesterday, we were up doing a wedding and we were driving back. And in my mind, I said, Lord, is there any other reason why? See, he won't talk to you if you don't ask him sometimes. I said, is there any other reason why that you're having her preach, not me? on the first of our big four services. And he said, she's not coming this year. She's not coming this year. You already know that. I've told you that. He said her voice needs to be in the people's ears. Whether she comes or not, whether it's preached at Legetics Church or not, it don't matter to God because I'm telling you, of course, this is for his church. She's at his church. She's ministering to her. But some of what I know it, some of what God had her say in that service was for promise of life. Amen. Like more, more specific than normal. Yes, that's why he said, have her preach it. He knew that she couldn't come. So he had her say certain things that were exactly hand tailored for our congregation today. Amen. Praise God. And so just, uh, just some notes that I wrote on, on that little 12-minute section of what she had said. Uh, she, and I'm just, if you're writing notes, you should maybe mark some of these things down. You need a higher anointing than your own to fulfill the plan. You need a pastor's, a man of God's anointing to fulfill your call, your business, your assignment, what God's called you. I'm not talking about the ministry. I'm not talking about promise. What he's called you to do. And I don't mean you're not maybe a minister, but he's, he's assigned people things. Start a business here. Grow in this company there. I want you to have favor in this area here. There's areas in your life that you're supposed to do. You've got a purpose in life. You're not just a bump on a log, but that higher anointing will help you get into what you're called to do in life. But that higher anointing will also help you get into what God's called you to do in the ministry. Because some people, like let's say you, you are building a business and you're believing for that business to grow. That's what God's called you to do. But in the, in the midst of that, there's also something he's asked you to do in the kingdom. Because your business is in the business world, but there's something in the ministry world, in the kingdom of God, as a part of the local church you're assigned to. Because you have a part, not just in your business or your company, whatever you're doing, you have a part in the church. We're, we're believing God for this revival, for this glory center, and for international things. You have a part in that. Don't just think about your part for your business or your work or your retirement or your this. 
You've got a part to play in the kingdom. But listen, I've always, I've seen it all my life. Dr. Dufresne saw it years before me. Dad Hagen saw it years before him. So just trust us when we say, because we're talking about many years of ministry experience talking in this sentence. People that aren't connected to a local church do very little for the kingdom of God. Why? Because God, it violates divine order. He will not just let some loosey-goosey, you know, uh, lone ranger out there, not submitted, not humbled, not connected, not coming in a divine order under the offices that he died and gave in Ephesians 4. Well, it's just me and Jesus. Okay, well, you'll tell us in heaven how that worked out for you. Because God does not violate divine order and just use people greatly for the kingdom that are just out there on their own. He, it's against the divine order of the Bible. In his mercy to get people saved, he'll use people as far as he can. But the greatest way he uses people is under authority. The centurion said, I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. In other words, I can do things because I am submitted to things. When people are submitted to where God's called them, who he's connected them, the divine, the divine assignment in their life, the, the, the divine flow, the pastor, the church, when there's a connection, he can use you for the kingdom because that's the way God works. He works with humility and authority. If you're too proud because you can't submit to anybody, I'm not talking to you because you all can. I'm talking to them. And I'm reinforcing it in you. If you're too proud because you can't submit to somebody, God will use you very little in the kingdom. I'm talking about lay people that don't have a five-fold call. And lay people that, and, and ministers that do have a five-fold call. If you can't submit to somebody, your ministry will be stunted. Its length and its reach will be stunted. Because it's the same pride issue. He's blessing us because I'm connected. Because I realize I'm not the big show. I'm not, I don't have everything I need for my future. I've got to be connected to higher anointing for what God's called me to do in my ministry and for the kingdom in general in her ministry. God's, there's anointing you need for your business, your future, your personal life, as well as what God wants you to do in the ministry. And every one of you have a part to play in the ministry, in the kingdom. In ministry of helps, in evangelism, in letting the power flow through you, in prayer. There's a part, but you need that higher anointing to help you get in and to help you finish the race. Notice how she said, a fight for the plan. That's where God got the name of this sermon was from her. I fight for the plan because not everybody has that anointing that I need. But my pastor's got it and it will restrain things off my life. Not every preacher, she said, has the same authority in your life. Some of you listen to every voice out there. Quit it. You'll confuse yourself. You will dilute the restraining power of God. The more it's voice, 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 voice. You will dilute it. And then you wonder why you're confused because you're listening to everybody under the sun. There are many good ministers. We're not against the minister or even their message. But God only picks some. Paul said, you have few fathers. He didn't say one. He said few fathers, but many instructors. A lot of people can just have some kind of teaching out there. But who is the one that is your bloodline? Few. Few. So be careful uh, who who you're, not everybody has that same. So what did she say here? Uh, Don't just feed on anything. Don't just go anywhere. Go where God has a supply for you. Get the clue. You heard what she said. Pay attention to where God speaks to you, who God rescues you through, who God connects you with, who the voice that is in your life. Pay attention. And you know that it's those of you that are planted here, you know it's here. The people at Faithway, uh, they, I, I trusted, they know it's Pastor Chris. And the new ones that come better figure it out or they won't stay. And the new ones that come here, they better figure it out. Or that's why we pray, Pastor Chris. We pray. You should pray the same. We say, Lord, when they hear my voice, it's not me. It's the anointing in my office. When they hear the voice of that office under that anointing that you've called, let it bear witness. Let them know that's the voice for my future. And let them fight to keep it. Because if you don't, the devil will steal them as soon as they come. And then the church never grows because as soon as they come, they get gone. They go. So we got we to gotta pray for them that they get it. And then they recognize that voice. The voice doesn't always, parental voice, if you're a parent, you're not always just telling them how much you love them. You're so sweet. You do do a lot of that. But uh, have you noticed 
You do a lot of that when they're small. But as they grow, it's not just how much I love you. It's honey. Don't do that. And as they grow, the good thing is they can't leave because they've got nowhere to go. They want to eat. But in the church, we got a bunch of rejects sometimes. They don't like the correction. They can go because there's 700 churches they can just pick from. And they can just go get fed somewhere else, but it wasn't the family God assigned. Do you understand? Children, natural children got more sense than some Christians. They got enough sense to stay with mom and dad. And if they don't have enough sense, the government says stay with mom and dad. Unless mom and dad's an abuser. But if they're not an abuser, stay with mom and dad. You, 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 know, you, know, you can't just leave because you don't like the fact that you have a curfew. You can't just leave because they say you got to do the dishes. That's not, that's not qualified to leave. You suck it up because it's not all just, I love you. It's I love you. And this is how we live. I'm training you for war. I'm training you to be a productive citizen. I'm training you to get married. Do you understand? We're training you for life out there with the masks and with the devils, with the fear and with the, with the sin and the perversion. And everybody's a different gender now. I got to call them they instead of he or she. I ain't doing it. I don't care what they tell me. I'm not doing it. Sorry. You're he or you're she. And if I can't figure out what you are, because you've had so much stuff going done to your body and I can't tell who you are, I'll call you it. <laughs> or I'll just pick one. Amen. Praise God. Anyway, don't get me onto that. That's not the sermon today, Reverend Greg. I can feel you pulling me in that direction. You better stop that nonsense. I'm not there. That's not today's sermon. Praise God. It's not just about feeling good. It's about growing and developing. Yes. Taylor is a, a wonderful young man, a true man of God, and God is working on him. But I venture to say that when Taylor first came here and, got, and, and had the bubble of Bible school and, and then had the, had the ecstasy of marriage to a beautiful woman and his life just, this is it. But... Pretty soon he realized that ministry and work and WORK is not all the glory. And the mundanity and the, and the be on time and don't talk back and you get in trouble if you don't get things done and if your attitude's wrong, you get corrected. Uh, all of that very quickly, the glory of the ministry evaporates. <laughs> Just like after you've lived with the glorious wife for a couple months and you realize, hey, she bugs me in this. I don't like that thing about her. All the honeymoonish is, where did it go? I don't know, but she's still here. I'm still in the honeymoon phase with you, honey. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> Write down, that's, what, that's how you do it. You set them up and then you say it. But we are still in the honeymoon phase. But my point is that, that things don't stay honeymoon forever. You gotta have real life. And then, it, and then the honeymoon actually continues if you can just stay in real life. And, and so as a child, you train them so that they can have a good life, better life, that they don't realize when they're six that there's something better for them. But there is. You don't realize in this part of your journey that there's something better coming for you. But if we just stay and let us train you and let us help you and fight for the plan, fight for it. No, devil, I won't. And you better be very careful if you move. Because our housing market has caused people against what they maybe would have done automatically because they just got to get out there just to be able to afford something. And I understand that. I'm not against anybody that's moved. Some people I know God said move. Some people I know God said didn't move. But people got to make their own. I don't tell them what to do. But you better fight for it. You better fight for it because uh, the less you come, the less that anointing will work for you. Don't just move because you want a house or because you want a better job. You better make sure that you put the plan of God first and it's connected to that anointing that you're under. Last thing before we do the next clip is, uh, I like what she said, I'm not, I'm not promoting a person. I'm promoting a divine connection. This is not about me, Dan. 
in Inverness, it's not necessarily going to be about you, although it is about you, but it's about the connection that those people have with you. It's about the connection Faithway has with Pastor Chris. It's about the divine connection that Promise of Life has with me and these ministers have with you. You fight for that connection. You don't let it go because the devil hates that connection more than anything else. He knows it will make you strong. He knows it will position you for greatness. Praise God, he knows it. Let me say, I'd feel so good to be safe. I can't say names on live stream, but there are people I've known for many years, decades ago, when I was much younger, and I started preaching in those first, that first decade of me, before I even met Jenny. And I still keep in touch with some of them from time to time. It's astonishing to me how decades later, they're still wandering about. They're still wandering about. They still don't understand doctrine. They're still preaching the same frivolous, shallow messages that they preached 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Jenny knows who some of the ones I'm talking about. And we feel so bad for them. It's like after all this time, that dribble is all you've got? And I realize it's because they never found their connection. They never found the higher anointing. They never submitted to somebody. And when I ask questions without trying to get them to know what I'm doing, but I ask, and it comes out in conversation, oh, I don't have anybody I submit to. Oh, I just go to a conference now and then to get a good idea for ministry. But I don't have a spiritual father. That's why. They're still wandering about. They still don't have that hmm about doctrine. They, this, that, the jet engines that came when Dr. Dufresne took me under his wing, it propelled me into the plan. And they don't have the jet engines because they don't want to submit because they're big shot. So it all comes down to humility. It always does. But when you find it, and you humble yourself and submit. It, there's a safety. There's a peace. There's a, I feel so safe with Pastor Nancy. It feels so good that I have a fit, that I have a company, that somebody prays for me, that somebody loves me. That I'm not just a number, but they care about me. She cares about where we go as a church. She cares about what we're doing. She prays for us. I care about you. I pray for you. You're not just a number. There is a fit here, yes, sir. Ephesians 4, 16, that we've been fitly joined together by that which, and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, under the edifying of the body of Christ in love. There is a compact and a fitly joined. There's a fit for you here, Pastor Happy. He's found it. I know he has. That's why God said to me three weeks ago, he said, it's time to promote Pastor Happy. When he says it, I know how to hear. If he ain't saying it about you, it's because he's choosing not to say it about you. It's not because I can't hear. Well, pastor won't hear. Pastor just can't hear. God's trying to do something for my future and pastor's blocking it. Oh, my brother and sister, I know how to hear God better than you do. Trust me. I pray more than you do. Trust me. I have to be a spiritual example. I can't be a spiritual example if I don't pray more than you. I wait on God more than anybody here other than my wife. That's what, that's what I'm paid for. I'm not paid to just do budgets and meetings and counseling. I'm paid to see God. And I do. And I can hear his voice clearly. And when he says something like that about him, I said, how? He said, have him preach. And he gave me six things to honor him on. He don't want me to say it because he's got a humble heart, but he found his fit. And God watched him for years to see if he'd jump ship and get out of that wall. But what God knows when he made that decision. And when, he, when, he, when God sets his stamp of approval, nobody can stop it. And he says, now, now do this for him. Now do that for him. It's not me, Pastor Happy. I mean, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to honor and obey God. But I'm telling you, brother, it's 100% God. You can revel in the fact it's not brown nosing. It's not because this or because of that. Or, or I don't want other people to think, oh, well, let me look what he does and I'll try to imitate. It's God supernaturally speaks who you are to do things with. It's God because he knows the heart. Only he knows the heart. He knows what people in the privacy of their own hearts and in the privacy of their own bedrooms and, and when the thoughts come, if they answer the thought or if they engage the thought and then repent and then they get offended and then they repent. And I don't know, but God knows. Praise God. There's a fit. There's, and it feels so good. It feels so good. All right. She still did better than me, but I tried to add a little bit of meat to the bone. Now, this clip is much shorter, but I want you to watch. Now, this is distinct. We're going to play 10 seconds from the previous clip, and then I want you to hear what she says next. I'm not up here saying 
you need to follow Brother Copeland. You need to follow Brother Copeland. I'm saying you need to know who, who God's connected you yeah. with. Yeah. I'm not endorsing a man. I'm endorsing a connection. Yes, yes. A divine assignment. And it's my job to be connected. It was not Elijah's job to get Elisha to stay close. You know, when my kids were little, we'd go in the grocery store. I'd say this to them. It's not my job to hunt you down. It's your job to stay with me. And if you get lost and start crying, that's your fault. You know how kids, I couldn't see you. That's your fault. I didn't leave. It's the same thing. It's not the man of God's job to pursue us. It's our job to stay close to the man of God. Well, they, don't, they didn't call me when I got sick. It's not their job to, to keep you close. It's your job to stay close. Praise the Lord. When, uh, when that pastor and I was telling about this earlier, when Dr. Sumrall, we went with Dr. Sumrall to Israel, and the pastor's wife was screaming from the pain in her head, sitting on the side of the bed holding her head, and they always had to call a doctor to just knock her out for several days to endure the pain. She just couldn't, she couldn't get through it any other way. And they called Dr. Sumrall, and they opened the door, and just when they opened the door, the pain stopped. Why? Because authority showed up. Dominion showed up and rescued that situation. They knew who to call. They knew that there's somebody who had more than them. And there's always somebody who has more than you. We need the help of higher ranking anointings to address what's coming against us sometimes. More than once, I saw people's lives rescued through my husband's ministry. So many times I saw that. But I also saw the great tragedy that happened in the lives of those who were to be connected and they were loosely connected. They, they seldom came. They, they say, oh, we love you, but they never showed up. They recognized there was an anointing. They recognized that there was a drawing from their inside that was toward yes, that anointing yes. and mantle on his life, but they didn't put themselves in proximity yeah. to receive of it. It's not my job to save money. It's my job to pay whatever I have to pay to get to where my man of God is. And I'm talking about, you can't, I understand, I can't be everywhere Brother Copeland is, but I've spent a lot of money getting to where he is. And three times, a year, three times a year, I'm under where he's at. Three times a year. Amen. And it's my job not to say, well, you know, we just came out of Christmas and so, you know, it's a little tight. Nothing makes you tight like missing where you're supposed to be. So many ministers are trying to save money when they should have been where they're connected to. My, it's not my job to save money. No, not, no. I am not called to save money. Yeah. I'm called to fulfill the plan. Yeah. And I will spend whatever, even an unreasonable amount, to fulfill the plan. Yeah. Well, you pay double. for. I mean, do you know for us to do things, I don't know if you know it, but rental cars now, they're charging triple because there's so few cars available. They're selling the rental cars. So there's so few cars, so the few that are, they're charging triple. Doesn't matter to me. Pay it. Doesn't matter to me. It's not my job to save money. It's my job to fulfill the plan. I'll pay whatever I have to pay. I'll pay unreasonable. I'll pay high interest. I don't care. You're wasteful. No, I honor the plan. I fight for the plan. I don't fight for money. I fight for the plan. Come on now. Because some of you got to renew your mind to that money nonsense. We fight for the plan. Money will come for the plan. God will send an angel if he has to, with money if he has to. It will come, but you fight for the plan. You fight for the plan. And some of you are enjoying this a little bit too much today. Be careful, you don't hurt my feelings. That now you want every Sunday a tag team preaching. Some of you smiling a bit too much and saying amen a bit too loud when she preaches. 
When God told Dr. Dufresne years ago, when he, he, just, he hadn't even got into ministry yet, really. And he said, go and connect yourself to Dr., basically to Dad Hagen. And he knew he had to go to that conference. He didn't have any money. I want you to see, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you, this is how far people that are hungry are willing to go. He sold his house. How many people do you know that would sell their house, sell their house to get to a conference to have that divine connection start, which lasted the rest of his life? He sold his house. See, money wasn't more important to him. Houses weren't more important to him. Having your name on something wasn't so important to him. What was important to him is the plan and the divine connection because that's what is going to make him finish his race. And I'm not touting, I'm just telling you the facts about it. I'm so extreme on this. And other ministers look at me and they don't understand. They don't understand because they don't have a revelation of it, and I do. But I'm not, I'm not in a weird way extreme. I'm, I'm extreme when they said, I understand where my connection is. And I fight for that. And even when the little ones were born, Caleb was born on January 12th. And every year in January, there is Holy Ghost meetings. Luke was born on Dr. Dufresne's birthday, June the 6th. June the 10th. And every... June the 10th, I remember... He's six years old. I'm thinking he's six years old. On doctor's birthday, his name is, he's named after doctor, Luke, Luke Edward Field. But, uh, and, every, and every year now, we've got Caleb vying for Holy Ghost meetings and Luke vying for camp meeting. But I want you to know something. When, when Caleb was born, I wasn't sitting in the front row. I didn't have that honor back then. They'd sit me, second row, third row, wherever. I, I wasn't on the board. I wasn't, I didn't have any... I didn't sit with her in the back room. Sometimes I wasn't even invited into the back room. That's not the point. Some people think you just do it because you're hobnobbing. And, when, and I said to her, I said, can you handle it when Caleb comes? Now, she's already a pro because she's had two. I got to be there. But I won't hurt you. You tell me what you can handle and I'll work within it. I said, can your mother, can my mother, can we get help? Because I've, I got to be where my man of God is. Now, most people, most ministers I know, they would never in a million, not a million years. And Caleb came, and he was, what, two days? I helped her in the hospital for two days until they dismissed us. And then I put her in my wife's hands. I said, can I go? She said, get out of here. And I got on that plane, and I flew over without her. And when Luke came, it was the same thing. I missed two days of camp meeting, and I was there for three. While she's with a 48-year-old child at our home. That's the measure that I believe this. Because most people don't have that kind of, most people won't do that. I'm not saying that to promote me. I'm saying that to let you know, nothing gets in the way of the plan for me. Nothing, no human being, no counseling session, no sickness, no birth, no money, no house, no expense. I fight for it. And that's why God is going to take this ministry around the world because he knows nothing is more important to me than being where I need to be, preaching what I need to preach, submitting to whom I need to submit to, and getting to where that anointing is. Nothing is more important. If you have a little bit of that attitude or maybe even more than me, you'll watch what God does for you. Some of you, you've got wide eyes. Oh, God, have mercy. Notice she said, it's not my job to run after you. It's your job to stay close. Pastor didn't say hi to me in the hallway. It's your job to stay close. Pastor don't love me. Your job to stay close. Now, when I was listening to that, I heard the Holy Ghost say, add something when you give your comments. He said, did you notice she quoted Elijah and Elisha? Right? But he said, did you notice that the man of God said to the junior, I don't even want you with me. Stay away. He didn't. Oh, come on, please, please, let me, let, me encourage, let me motivate you. I want to inspire you, Elisha. The call is great. Stay with me. I know it's hard. Stay. He didn't do Whatever. And he walked on. The Lord reminded me of that. Whose job was it? Elijah's to placate his feelings? Or Elisha to say, I recognize it. The great woman, I perceive this man of God. Let me make a place for him. Let me constrain him and compel him to come in, lest he maybe go to the hotel. Let me constrain him to eat bread and come talk with me. You see, she recognized and she stayed close. She didn't wait for the man of God to make her feel good. Now, see, our society is so backwards on this. 
Christians today don't understand the role of a pastor. He is not there to make you feel good. His ministry and anointing and the word and his love will make you feel good, but that's not the primary. His primary is to feed you, lead and guide you. For not, not, that doesn't replace the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean by that. Away from false doctrine and error and this kind of stuff. He's there to love you and take care of you. But he's not there to baby you. How do you think the one sheep got away so far? He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. But how do you think the one got away? Because the shepherd says, come on, boys. They know his voice and they follow his voice. And he's moving. If the sheep don't follow, tough luck. The sheep aren't being corralled all the time. Oh, please come. Here, here. Here's some crumbs. Please come. The, just speaks the word. You know my voice. Let's go. And he moves. And he's moving. And it's up to them to stay close. And when one doesn't, one finds himself over yonder by the cliff edge. And where the wolves are. And then he's like, oh, Lord, have mercy. You 99 did good. That jerk is there again. Just stay put. And don't, just, just stay put. Don't move. Come here. Pay attention. I don't have time to leave them all the time and come after you because you can't listen. I am your shepherd. Listen. When I say go, go. Next time, I'll let the wolf get you. I'm serious. What we have in church is not one and 99. We have one and 99. And all the pastor does is put out fires all week long. Oh, please come. Oh, please come. And they run themselves ragged. And they don't fulfill the call because the sheep can't listen and follow close. I'm preaching better than Pastor Nancy preached. My God of mercy. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a pastor. If you're watching, don't be offended with me. Don't stay loosely connected, she said. It's not your job to save money. It's your job to pay what, it, what you need. I'm just quoting some important parts of uh, nothing makes you tight <laughs> like missing where you're called to be. All things are tight. Well, they'll be tighter if you don't get, go where you're supposed to go. Nothing matters but the plan. Fight for the plan. Pay whatever you have to for the plan. Praise God. Don't let money dictate. Let the plan dictate. Hallelujah. Believe God for the money, for the plan. Praise God. Amen. Well, one more, four minutes, then we'll close. Go ahead. It's not my job to save money. It's my job to fulfill the plan. I'll pay whatever I have to pay. I'll pay unreasonable. I'll pay high interest. I don't care. You're wasteful. No, I honor the plan. I fight for the plan. I don't fight for money. I fight for the plan. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The dominion of a higher anointing will bless you and some of that blessing is restraining something from your life that the devil had planned against your life. A pastor has the anointing upon his office to keep sheep from fainting, to keep sheep from, uh, to keep them on course. To keep, their, to keep them from being scattered. Jesus said that the, that the sheep, they, they came and they were healed. And he, and he recognized they were, they were as a sheep with no shepherd. They were fainting and they were scattered. Fainting people don't reach the end. Scattered people don't even know the path to be on. Their marriage is scattered. A divorce court is a scattering place. Their finances are scattered. Their health is scattered. Their thoughts are scattered. <coughs> the anointing on the pastor is going to keep the, have a restraining ability to keep all these things, the flows of the world out of your life. Yes. Yes. What an honor. And you say, you're preaching to the choir. Well, let me keep preaching. <laughs> Help you sing louder. God said to me, I remember in pastoring, 
the Spirit of God would say, maybe like every six months, he'd say to me, he'd say, call up the ushers and just lay your hand on them and bless them. He'd tell me that. And then about six months later, he'd say, call out the children's workers. Lay hands on them and bless them. He'd done that about two or three times to me. And then one day he said, you're missing the point. He said, you don't have to wait for me to tell you to call them out and bless them. In other words, he's having to tell me because I'm missing it. He said, just as a parent in their parental authority, anytime they want, can lay their hand on their children and bless their child. Anytime they want. They don't have to feel an unction. They don't have to be in church. They don't just have to come from church. Anytime they want, they can lay their hand on them and say, I bless you and I say you'll fulfill the plan of God for your life. Anytime they want. He said, a pastor's a parent. He's the parent of that congregation. And you are authorized to lay your hands on them and bless them anytime. You don't have to wait for my spirit to tell you to do that. It's part of your authority as a pastor. So there's flows in that pastoral office where God sets you that will help and guard and protect your life. There was a minister, and, and he, he's, a, he's a fun guy. Um, Ed and I knew him years and years ago. And he would harass all the preacher's kids. When he'd come, he was a traveling minister. So when he'd come in, he'd harass the preacher's kids, you know, toughen them up a little bit. And there was this little boy that was about nine years old or so when this minister started coming. And every time he'd see him, he'd grab him by the head. And he'd say, be blessed. And he'd walk him all around the room. You know, just grab his head and just wring wring his neck almost. Just knocking him all around the room and then throw him down in a chair. And every time he saw him, he'd do that to him. Just harassing him, you know, letting him know, you know, I I see you. And it's good to pick on somebody else's kids because his were grown and, you know, that type of thing. Well, one day this little boy, when he got to be about 12, got hit by a car. And he was in a coma and he was given up to die. And they, the doctor said there's no, they, he'll never come out of the coma. And uh, the parents were in the room and this boy, his eyes flung open, and he sat straight up in bed and said, the prophet of God laid his hands on me and blessed me. All those blessings, the spirit used it. He thought he was having fun, but the spirit now had authority to move in on that. And came back. every And no brain damage, no nothing, completely. Why? Because the pastor recognized there's somebody in my life and this man was this pastor's pastor. The pastor had no way of knowing that when that traveling minister would come in and do that, that he was setting and rescuing the boy's future. Praise the Lord. Makes you think. What is uh, the connection What can it do for your future that you don't even know is coming? I wish parents would understand this. You're not just sending your children to a youth group so that they have, they don't get in trouble or so that they can do something other than television or for socialization purposes. You're putting them where the anointing is, where God connected you. And you don't know what you don't coming to the services. Some parents won't bring them to church, but they'll bring them to the youth group. Uh, church is first, youth group is second, because the higher anointing is in the main service, not in that service, but they need both. Did you hear what she said about that little boy? Maybe people should recognize the importance of hands being laid on them and their kids for their futures. That anointing will keep the flow of the world off you. It'll keep, it will strain things off you. I don't want to be the kind of person that can't find the path. I just said, some ministers we know, good people, good preacher, nice word, they still can't find the path. Scattered. Scattered people are weak people. Weak people don't finish. I want to finish. You want to finish. You want to know the path. That's why the pastor is anointing, the shepherd's anointing, gathers, so you're not scattered, and strengthens so that you're not weak. Praise God. It's why you stay close. It's why impartation by the preached word, impartation by the laying on of hands is so important. It's so important. Let me say this before I close. 
when I was writing these little comments on what she had said, and I think she did a masterful job. And Mama, we thank you. Even though you're not here, we thank you. Praise God. But uh, the Lord's, because all this about knowing the connection and, and honoring that and staying close, I heard the Lord speak to me as I was writing some of these things out. This came by the Spirit. This is fresh from this morning. And he said, tell your congregation that in this new season of the office in the mantle, it's your job to stay closer to Pastor Nancy than even the years prior. That's one of the reasons I've given you the plane. It's not just for our budding traveling ministry, which is very fledgling. That purpose of the plane, yes, it's for those things, but it's also so that we can get into these little places where you've got to take four planes to get to and then drive three hours. And in that little plane, I can just land almost anywhere. But one of the real reasons, one of the biggest reasons is so I can be around that anointing and be, because my plan is connected to me being around her. Do you understand? So I want you to understand, with this new anointing, with this new mantle, with this new office, comes more responsibility on me to be around her more. Which means, not last year and this year as much, because we've been in a unique season. But he said to me, 2022, it's taking off. You'll hear that in the next few Sundays. We're going to talk about it. But it's, starting, it's already starting to take off. And he said, you're going to be gone more. The congregation is going to see you much, but not see you as much as you previous years. But tell them, it would be better for you not to see me as much, but for the plan of the ministry, which affects your life, to go forward. Otherwise, if I, if I don't obey, we'll stagnate. That anointing will stagnate. That glory center will never come. There's things required. It's better that you have good ministers like Reverend Happy and Pastor Happy and Reverend Greg and Taylor and others. It's better that you have them fill the pulpit if my wife has to go. Or if my wife's here, her fill the pulpit. It's better that that happens and me obey God than it is me being afraid of, of what you're feeling. Or maybe the church will flounder or maybe they'll stop coming. It's better that I obey and stay, do whatever I have to do for the plan. Because that plan will affect this church more than anything else. That connection will affect this plan, this flow, more than anything else. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not gone for weeks and weeks at a time. You know, what's that guy again? What are we doing? Who is he? What's that guy? Today, at Rama, they told me, recently a minister told me a little while ago, he was talking to students at Rama. He went down to visit the campus this year. And he heard students talking in the main hallway, the main foyer. And they were pointing at a picture of Kenneth Hagin. And they were saying, who's that old guy? Who is he? Why is he on the wall? They didn't even know who Kenneth E. Hagin was in the school that he founded. Don't worry, it won't be like that. Who is that guy sitting on, beside her? Who is that? It's, I'm not gone that much. But I'm just letting you know, I have to do whatever I have to do for the plan. Which is why we need those partners. Which is why we need FLAG. Which is why we need GO partners. Because the traveling ministry is picking up. God, he's, he's requiring things. But I, I have fear. I have holy fear. Don't, don't disobey him just to stay comfortable and because I like preaching. I don't like preaching anywhere else, Rob, more than I like this church. I've preached in Pasadena Church, which I like. I've preached in Africa, which I like. I like a, there's no place like home for me. This congregation and this pulpit is my favorite in the entire planet. I would rather be here than literally anywhere else in the world. So when I'm not here, if you don't see me, you know this is a sacrifice. Traveling is not as glamorous as you think. All it is is beds and some of those hotels, should, the owners should be shot. How they could put beds of that caliber after me paying that much money. Sometimes I sleep on the floor. I can't even take the bed. I just, I just, I, just, I can't. It's just the, the, the bed, I just, it's like a you. Not because I need to lose weight either, because I know some of you were thinking that. No, you could be a Tom Bean from String Bean or whatever it's called, and that bed would be a you. It's not glamorous. It's not exciting. I miss my wife. I miss my boys. But sometimes God says you got to go. Whether it's a motel, a hotel, a shack, grass, it doesn't matter. you got to go. Because in India, I slept in the grass. I'm not a highfalutin guy. Give me the Hilton if it's there. But if it's not, I'll take the grass. And I've learned you put a rope around you and the snakes can't come. You don't know these tricks. You come in the mission field, I'll teach you them. You just get a simple rope. You just put it around you. The snakes won't cross the rope no matter what. So I, I've, I've done some of these things. <laughs> the cockroaches, they cross the rope. 
I could tell you stories that would make your hair curl. I woke up once and I felt something tickling me and I looked down and there was a cockroach this big sitting on my chest looking at me. No, that was in El Salvador, Jennifer. And I said, dear Jesus, and he ran away. I won't tell you some of the missionary stories. I would much rather be in my king-size bed in Aaron. I would much rather be in this pulpit with this congregation. You're the best. You're the highest. You're the highest. Your response is the greatest. But God said, you have, sometimes I'm going to have to ask you to go. Other people are going to have to fill it because you do whatever you have to do, son, for the plan. You pay whatever you have to pay for the plan. You be around her as much as you need to be. And then when you're not around her and you have to go and preach, then you go and preach. Otherwise, you have to be around her. you got to see, I'm living this. I'm asking you to fight for it with me. Fight for it with me. Would you do that? It's so, it's so important that we fight for it together. To the measure you fight is to the measure it's going to work in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that's my hybrid version of two preachers this morning fighting for the plan. Amen.